Welcome back to another episode of Next Gen Athletics, a podcast all about college sports. In today's show, we are going to talk about college basketball. The seasons are finally over and it's time to hand out some awards. Thomas and I will name our coach of the year, player of the year, team of the year, and game of the year. Now, ladies and gents, let's kick the tires and light the fires. This is Next Gen Athletics with your hosts, Trotter Scarce and Thomas Woods. Yes, sir. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Next Gen Athletics. As always, I am your host, Charter Scarce, and as always, the wonderful, marvelous Thomas Woods joins us. Thomas, buddy, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, man. It's, it's a busy week that I've got going on, but I wouldn't wish it any other way. Better to be busy than to be sitting around doing nothing. Um, I've, had, I've had a good little uh, last week or so, really about two weeks. I've had pretty, pretty solid uh, days, you know, back to back to back to back to back, and it's been pretty good. I'm just loving life right now, honestly. Hey, can't complain. We love to hear that the weather is finally getting warm here in the Carolinas. Uh, I was out playing a little golf today. Didn't didn't uh, didn't actually play any holes. I was on the range because I don't have enough golf balls to, in order to lose <laughs> to do that. But that's not the point. I was still doing it. I was still pretending I was Tiger Woods. It's Masters week. So looking forward to watching a little golf. Um, that's always a fun, fun little pastime to do. Thomas, we have some national champions to announce. And they're kind of surprising national champions. So let's get into it. We'll start with the women's. LSU is your national champion. They beat Iowa somewhat convincingly. I think it's kind of funny, Thomas, in our preview show for the Final Four, we made a case for every team in the Final Four but LSU. And LSU won. So classic next-gen curse got us in the women's bracket. I apologize for that. But, I mean, let's not take anything away from this. This is a really good LSU team. Yeah, it is, it is a really good LSU team. And I want to point out, the question that I was posed at that point in time was, uh, which of these teams can beat South Carolina? And I still hold to the fact that I don't know if LSU could have beaten South Carolina. Um, so LSU, I told, I said they couldn't beat South Carolina. I didn't say they couldn't win the whole thing. I was pretty confident that Iowa had a shot with Caitlin Clark, and I was right about that. Um, but so I just want to also just point out, South Carolina did not get a championship. It's a great day. It's a did great Clemson time make the Clemson. tournament? It's a great time here in Clemson, South Carolina. Oh, okay, that's what I thought. South Carolina doesn't <laughs> win. Uh, South Carolina ended up having a, a similar finish to Clemson of the year uh, on a loss. That's all that matters. Um, <laughs> Clemson, Clemson ended the year the same way South Carolina did with, by losing. Um, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you didn't win the whole thing. It's all that matters. Um, but right. no, a really, really, and truly, a great, a great, great team in LSU that I kind of under underrated for sure. Um, a lot of great performances throughout the tournament. Um, most notably Angel Reese. Uh, she's a dog. There's no disputing that. And then uh, some big names stepped up in the national championship. Uh, Jasmine Carson, man, uh, seven to eight from the field, five or six from three, 22 points. She had like 17, I think, the rest of the tournament combined. Uh, she just showed up on the biggest stage, and that's always awesome to see. Um, and on the other end of things, Iowa, man, uh, Caitlin Clark did the best she could, um, and it just wasn't quite enough. Um, what a tournament. What a season from her. But uh, – yeah, a really a great Final Four. Um, and I think 
we were talking about a little bit just a second ago off off the air, but um, this this Final Four and this national championship like are, are going to propel women's sports in such a great direction. Um, it, it was really just a great tournament for the women, and uh, congrats to LSU for that championship. Yeah, the viewership reached nine point nine million views. I mean, that's a that's a ton of people, right? There's no getting around that. Uh, it's the most in women's basketball history. Uh, they surpassed the World Series, the NBA, NFL, and MLB All-Star Games, and a couple other things. I saw a graphic earlier today. I can't remember everything, but the World Series in and of itself is very, very impressive. Um, but, you know, this is going to be – there's so many storylines in this game. There are so many things that happened throughout the course of the women's tournament that just give – women's basketball a foot to stand on right you think about Miami being a nine seed making it all the way to the elite eight you think about LSU getting getting past their bracket and getting into the final four the the kind of controversy that came with that you think about Iowa and Caitlin Clark just a dog unreal Steph Curry-esque performance from her this tournament and then you think about South Carolina the absolute machine that Don Staley has. There are just so many good things that came out of this tournament for women's basketball. And I think it's going to give them a platform next year. I think you're going to see a lot more hype around women's basketball. And I think you're going to get us, you're going to see a lot more coverage of it just because there are so many storylines that, that we can now follow Thomas. I think a big storyline that a lot of people are talking about right now is the angel Reese, Caitlin Clark situation. For those of you who don't know, Caitlin Clark in the Elite Eight game against Louisville flashed the John Cena, you can't see me. Um, it was later in the game. It, it was, you know, it's okay, right? It, it's it's a little bit over the top, but it's whatever, right? We, Thomas, we're athletes. I've done things that looking back, I go, okay, well, I probably shouldn't have done that. But in the moment, you understand it. Well, Angel Reese takes it a step further and follows her off the court pretty much at the very end of the game, pointing to her ring finger and doing the you can't see me sign pretty much in Caitlin Clark's face. Thomas, what are you, what are just some thoughts before I give you mine? Yeah, off the bat, uh, I do want to say this is a topic that had we recorded earlier, I'd feel better talking about. I don't want to talk about it too much just because, like, at this point, both of them have squashed the beef. But we can – obviously, it's it's a, something that needs to be talked about at some point on this podcast. We're a college sports podcast. It's a big storyline in college sports. Um, it's a good thing to see that they've squashed the beef, though. There's no there's no bad blood between them, two. They're both the competitors, which leads me to my next point. Um, what Caitlin Clark did was just a celebration uh, in, a, in a competitive game in the Elite Eight. I think the difference became Angel Reese following her around the court doing it uh, in the last seconds of the game. A lot of times you'll see teams celebrating. You know, there's 10 seconds left in the game. You're starting to celebrate with your teammates that you've worked her hard with all year um, for multiple years probably. Um, and, and like you're finally reaching the, the mountaintop. And I found it a little bit strange that Angel Reese is following around a competitor, whatever, like you should be celebrating with your teammates that you've worked so hard with. I mean, I know – the last thing I wasn't on the field whenever me and you won the state championship in, in, in high school, right? But I, I'm I'm fairly certain the last thing on anybody on our team's mind was let me go rub it in the other team's face. Like it's all about celebrating with the people that you've worked hard with, you know. And that was the weird thing to me. Um, I, I think it'd have been different if, like, you know, mid game Angel Reese gets a a putback because she had a ton of putbacks. It felt like she was just dog, uh, like getting so many offensive rebounds and just going up back up with it. But um. If she gets a putback and then hits it, like that, that's different. You know, even at the free throw line when she first hit it, that's different. But when we're following her around, like 
making a mockery of it. Like it, it felt a little bit strange. It, it was like celebrate with your team, you know, like that, that that's who you need to be focusing on right now. And you're sitting here chasing around the opponent, uh, copying her celebration. Like it, it felt a little over the top, but I will say like in a competitive spirit, like I, I don't have too many problems with it other than just, it, it felt a little bit weird, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't disagree with that. You know, I was on the field when we won and, you know, we were playing a team that was really chippy. They were trash talking us the entire game, especially towards the end there. And so, you know, I, I let a couple people know about it. But when the game was done, I was not I did not care who we were playing, who was on the field. The only thing I wanted to do was jump around with you guys and, and enjoy the fact that we had just reached the mountaintop. So, you know, I, I did. That was the first thing that kind of stood out to me when I saw the clip is why aren't you celebrating? Right. Like I'm. I'll give my thoughts in just a second, but that this is the first thing. Like you just won a national championship and you're going to taunt another player. Like, do you really, do you even care that you just won a national championship? Do you understand how big of a deal that is? I just thought that was really weird. Like, I just don't understand the, the motive behind it. And then secondly, the thing that just doesn't really get in my head, I guess, is she didn't do that to LSU. She did it to Louisville. And like she, Angel Reese went on the the post game interview and was like, "Well, you know, I don't take disrespect lightly. Like she didn't disrespect you. It was Louisville. So I don't know. I just I think it's kind of dumb to be honest with you. Like, listen, I am all for trash talk. I am all for it. I I was I'm not the biggest guy in the whole wide world. So you know, I I would do and say things in a game to kind of get in your head just to kind of give me a little boost." But doing it at the right time is important, right? You you think about guys like Draymond Green in the NBA who people just don't really give a lot of credit to because of the trash talk, right? When I think of Draymond Green, I don't think about a guy who's a great defender, who's a great rebounder, who's a great passer. I think about, oh, yeah, he's that guy that talks a lot of crap. Like if you're Angel Reese, you got to be careful because she is a great player. She's a great basketball player. I think she's got a, a, a good career in the WNBA ahead of her. But she doesn't want to be known as – Oh yeah, that's the girl that talks a bunch of trash. Because then that takes away from your craft. That then that's that's getting in front of what you do. Don't let that overshadow that. Right. That's that's my biggest problem with this is you don't want to kind of like if you want to be that player, be that player, right? Embrace it. But I'm not really sure why you would want to when you've got the potential to be a, a top player in the WNBA. Just doesn't really make any sense to me. I, I just think it's dumb, quite honestly. I don't like I said, I'm all for trash talk. I'm all for being a little bit over the top with it. I was always big into celebrating and and letting my opponents know that I was having fun and they weren't. But at the same time, you got to do it the right place at the right time. I just think it was a dumb thing to do. It was just a weird situation in general. But listen, Andrew Reese is a dog. I'm not taking anything away from that. I think she's a great player. I think LSU is a great team. The officiating throughout the the final four could be hotly debated. We're not going to talk about it because it doesn't need to be talked about. But you know, credit where credits due. LSU is your national champion. Yeah, I do want to point out a few more things. That's another thing I thought was weird. There was, was the whole disrespect thing. She also mentioned like she felt like Caitlin Clark was disrespecting South Carolina, which again just doesn't affect LSU at all. Like I think she she took offense to like the Caitlin Clark like shrugging off the the shooter at three point line, and again like that just doesn't. Like she didn't do anything to disrespect LSU, so I don't I don't get where the disrespect disrespect comes from. Um, and then I, I hate to talk about it because I, I just want to be clear. Uh, there's been so many people on Twitter and stuff saying that like this is a race issue, 
And I don't issues. think I don't think that's what it is at all. I, I want to point out I have my only issue with what uh Angel Reese was doing was that like it was at the end of the game whenever she's gonna be celebrating. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I think <clears throat> doing that, I think it would have been really cool actually had she like gotten a bucket and like Caitlin Clark been in the vicinity and she hit the like, you can't see me in her face in that moment. But like what was weird about it was going around the court after the game was over or like as the game was ending and like following her around. That was the weird part to me. I don't think it has anything to do with race. I didn't even think about that being a thing. And then I saw uh, everything I see on Twitter is just, it's like racial debate. And I'm like, this is, this is a like strictly trash talk debate. Like how, like how we think trash talk should be handled. And that's the way I saw it. Um, I agree with you. I was also a guy that um, even though I didn't really have the basis to do it, I love to talk trash and like, <laughs> uh, like make sure my opponents knew I was having fun if they weren't. Um, oh yeah. I mean, you got to. Yeah, and like in baseball, dance around. I, I talked trash in the state championship game whenever I got in for that yeah, two minutes. I remember and I that. Didn't, I had no basis to talk, but I was, was talking great. as much as I could. You played for two um, weeks. Yeah, I did. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think I think the trash talk is a great thing that, like, it, and it, honestly, I think the press in general, like, being covered because of, the, because of this debate, it's also good for women's sports because it's, like, getting them in the, in the spotlight even more, uh, which is a great thing. I just don't think this is, like – this issue shouldn't be a race issue. This is just an issue of if you think that she went above and beyond by following her on the court. That's the only issue I see with it. And, um, yeah, but like I said, Angel Reese is a dog. Uh, I hope that she can continue that energy, but just, like, maybe tone it down a little bit at the end of the game whenever you're winning the championship. Like, just celebrate with your girls. You don't have to go around the court, like, in the opponent's face. That's my whole thing. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I just, you know, right place, right time. And she's a sophomore, so she's going to be coming back and playing for LSU again. So, I'm excited to see kind of what her and LSU can do next year. And and I do, I, I wonder what the next step for her is. You know, I, I hope for her sake, listen, use that, be that guy. Every team needs somebody that's just so annoying to play against, right? There were guys that I played with growing up all through uh, club and high school and even in college that I really just could not stand playing against them, right? When we would scrimmage in practice, I hated to play against them. But I was always really glad that they were on my team so that I didn't yeah. have to just continuously play against them week in, week out. So, you know, you, everybody needs that team. Everybody needs that guy. And, and so I hope that for Angel Reese's sake, she can kind of channel that in the right direction, continue to be a, an all-star like she has kind of proven to be. And, you know, who knows, maybe give LSU uh, a back-to-back national championship. But listen, the Tigers are your national champions. They took down the Iowa Hawkeyes 102 to 85, which is crazy in and of itself. But, you know, it's just exciting for women's basketball. And that kind of leads us into the men's basketball segment of this. UConn is your national champion five times. The Huskies have now won the national championship. They took down San Diego State 76 to 59. UConn won every single game in this tournament. By double digit points, I saw something that it was like an average of 18 points. I think it was. I'm not, I can't, don't quote me on that. Don't, I haven't done the math personally. I just saw it on Twitter. So, you know, maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong, but um, impressive from the Huskies. And we talked about it a little bit, just about maybe we should have seen this coming, but nonetheless, it is still a very, very impressive run. Very, very impressive. They've solidified themselves as. One of the Blue Bloods, I feel like, I, it's not, they don't get talked about enough when Blue Bloods get brought up in conversation, but they have more championships over the last 25 years than anybody else does. Um, they are consistently a, one of the top teams. They had that little slump over the last few years, but like they, they've still been a relevant, good team. They just weren't as good as they have been in the years past. And now they're back on the mountaintop. They're back 
being the best team in college basketball. Um, and they did it with really no doubts to, to be debated or anything. They, they won every game comfortably. Uh, their, their smallest win came in the final four by 13 points against a Miami team that was playing really good basketball at that point in time. Um, it, it just, it looked too easy for this team. And I, I, again, I don't know how nobody really saw it coming, but nobody really saw it coming. I, I, I mean, there's obviously some people that are UConn fans or that just happened to pick the right team when, when making their bracket. But um, they, they, this wasn't a team that really was – everybody was looking at like, oh, this team has a good chance of making the, the whole thing, uh, winning the whole thing. Nobody really saw that. And they just game in, game out, proved everybody wrong and just dominated their way to a, to a championship. Yeah, it was a really, really impressive run from the Huskies. I definitely think they are in the debate now to be a blue blood. They get my vote at least. I know that I, I've seen a lot of things on on social media this past week, just kind of debating whether or not they should be or not. In my opinion, I think they should be. I think that they've done enough to be in that conversation, to be in that uh, that group of being a blue blood. And you know they've got a really great coach in Bobby Hurley, who I think is going to keep them there for a while. Right? He hasn't been at UConn for a ton of time, but he's turned that program around from being kind of irrelevant in the American Conference to they left the American Conference for basketball, they joined the Big East, they started recruiting all these good players, and, and they had an unbelievable tournament and an unbelievable year. Um, and honestly, like it's good for basketball that UConn is good, right? We need these teams in basketball that don't necessarily have any other sports that they're really good at, right? Like a lot of times we think about UConn as kind of the laughing stock of college football, They've got a couple other sports that that are, are good. Their men's soccer program. Their uh, I think it's women's lacrosse is normally pretty good. So they need we need kind of sports and, and teams like this across college athletics to just kind of keep everything even. You know, I, it used to be the thing that like if you were good at football, you weren't good at basketball, and if you were good at basketball, you weren't good at football. And so you know, I'm not saying it has to be that way, but I do think that it is good for for college athletics to kind of have a couple teams like that. You got like Duke and UConn and used to be Kentucky, um, Gonzaga, some of these other teams that, that just, you know, normally when you think about them, you think about their basketball program and not necessarily their football program. Now that's not to say they can't have a good football program, but you get what I'm saying. So uh, I'm excited for UConn. I'm excited to see kind of what the next step is for them in recruiting and, and, you know, just how can they follow that up? And I, I think something that goes unsaid here is the Big East has an argument to be the best basketball conference in the country this year. I think that that nod still goes to the Big 12. But as far as who's that number two, the Big East has a real shout now with with UConn and Marquette and Creighton and um, I'm blanking on the other team, but uh, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is the Big East is a basketball power conference now. Right. I mean, I just don't think that there's any debating that. Yeah, you're not wrong. The other time I think you're looking for is Xavier. Um, That's who it was. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, the Big East was good all year. Um, and the thing is, we're talking about the, those, those teams specifically, but like we're talking about a, a conference that also has a Villanova team that is right there in the competition for Blue Blood as well. They had a down year this year, but they're still a good program. Um, and so, yeah, going forward, the Big East, I think, is going to get a little more respect going into next season. Um, they got to keep it up to, to, you know, to earn more and more respect. It's not like a one-year, one-off thing. They got to prove that that's the case and that they're they're here to stay. Uh, I definitely agree with you. I think Big 12 probably was the best conference this year, but I don't think there's much of an argument for anybody, any other conference to be uh, number two. I, I think 
the Big East was really solid all year. There was debate whenever me and you first started talking about basketball, I feel like, between the Big 12 and Big East. And then as time went on, the Big 12 kind of solidified themselves as the number one conference. And then at this point, um, it, it wouldn't be wild to, you know, at least have a debate. I, I still think the nod goes to the to the Big 12. But there's, there's a debate to be had about whether or not um, the Big East is that – Premier Conference. Either way, they are a Premier Conference just in general, and they had a, a great season um, as a whole. And this UConn team, man, just just solidified their the Big East season, uh, season as a whole with with a championship win. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's a debate to be had there. Yeah, and you know, on the flip side of this, San Diego State, absolutely unbelievable round of applause for you guys in the Mountain West Conference as a whole. Had a had a kind of slow showing at the start we we had gone on the show and kind of questioned the mountain west and said listen you guys are supposed to be pretty good where you at and san diego state must have heard that and taken it personally um san diego state that buzzer beater over fau let's kind of pull over to the side and just kind of talk about that for a second have you seen the picture of how close his foot is to going out of bounds i kid you not it's like a half an inch away i mean yeah could you ima- imagine you hit the shot, you think you're good, and then they go to review it, and you accidentally stepped out of bounds? I mean, unbelievable ending to that FAU San Diego State game. I got to be honest, I was kind of rooting for FAU just because of the story and and all the the just kind of hype behind it. So I was really excited that that game was close and competitive, and you know I, I figured it would be. I, I did not have anything in me that said that that game would get out of hand, but the way it ended just kind of made it even more special, just kind of solidified the fact that it is a a game that is worthy of a final four game, right? Like a lot of times we think about games in the final four and they get out of hand and then you go, well, man, I kind of wish we had seen the other team. Like if FAU loses that game by a lot, then everybody's going to go, well, it should have been Kansas state and vice versa, right? Like if San Diego state gets blown out, then everybody's going to go, well, it should have been Creighton. And you know, you could say that for any team, and I think that there, I've seen a little bit of stuff about Miami, and it should have been Texas, but I thought Miami actually did pretty good. This was, this was just a really, really good UConn team. But um, listen, congratulations to UConn, congratulations to San Diego State, FAU, and Miami as well. They deserve credit. Um, a, a unprecedented um, NCAA tournament to say the least, but but one that had a, had a good ending. I think it had a safe kind of solid ending, an ending that just kind of wrapped everything up in a nice little bow. Didn't really leave me wanting too much more. Um, and I'm really excited to kind of see where this takes college basketball next year. Okay, Thomas, it is officially our basketball award show. So we're going to name our coach of the year, player of the year, team of the year, and game of the year. And you can kind of make an argument for these as we go. So I'm going to let you start. We're going to do with the women because women first. Uh, give me your women's coach of the year. Um, I think there's a, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of my picks are like, just, they, they go together too well, I guess is my problem here. <laughs> um, but I'm going with South Carolina's coach, Don Staley. I, I don't know. think, I don't think I can like reasonably go against that pick. Um, what a season that, that she put together. Um, I mentioned in the final four show uh, that she is going to be great to see how she tried to attack Caitlin Clark. And she did a great job. I felt like the defensive pressure on Clark was phenomenal. Clark just played out of her mind. mind. Um, Yeah. So uh, yeah, Don Staley had a a team that was just historically 
good and they set themselves up for success for years to come. Um, she, in my opinion, was the coach of the year and it really was a pretty wide margin in my opinion. Um, just, just because of how dominant they were. Uh, she's not really the coach of the year. She's just the best coach in, co in women's college basketball. And um, so that being the case, uh, I had to give her the nod as uh, the, the coach of the year this year, and she'll probably be the coach of the year next year and the year after that. Eventually, I'll stop giving her the award, but uh, because this is the first time I've done the award, I have to give it to her, I feel like. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I went a different direction, but I went a different direction for a different reason. I'll get into that in a minute. Dawn Staley is to women's basketball like Mike Krzyzewski was to men's basketball. There was no debating that Mike Krzyzewski is one of, if not the greatest men's basketball coach in history. NBA, college, does not matter, right? Coach Team USA for a really long time, won a lot of gold medals. Unbelievable. And I, I think that Dawn Staley, while she's not on that level yet, right, she's got a long way to go before she reeks the, the Coach K level, but I think she's on the right track. They're building her a statue here in Columbia out by the, by the state house just because, you know, not only is she a great coach, she's a good person off the floor. I've had the pleasure of meeting her one time. Um, she was an absolute, just, she was just a great person, right? Like in a, a lot of times you see famous people just kind of be stuck up, but not Dawn. And, and so I think that that is an obvious pick. I think that she is the coach of the year by a long shot. And I don't think it's really close. I went a little bit of a different direction because I figured you would pick Coach Dawn. And so I went with Virginia Tech's Kenny Brooks. And I picked Kenny Brooks because when Kenny Brooks took over Virginia Tech, they were an under 10 win team. And this year they made a Final Four, had well over 20 wins and only had five losses, including that loss to LSU. So I think that, you know, just the turnaround that he's kind of taking the Hokies on and the amount of just turbulence that's kind of come along the way. I think that I, I had to give the nod to him because game recognizes game. And yes, I'm a Virginia Tech fan, so I'm going to have a little bias towards him. But um, anytime you can turn a program around like that, it's impressive. My men's coach actually is kind of similar to this. So uh, you'll see here in a minute. But I, I just think that he deserves at least a shout for coach of the year. Obviously, Don Staley, I think, is far and away the best coach in women's basketball. But as far as turning a program around, getting the the ship righted and headed in the right direction somewhat quickly in a 10-year span from, from about, I think it was eight wins his first year to this past year, making a, a Final Four and, and almost getting to a national championship game. So uh, shout out to Coach Kenny Brooks from Virginia Tech as my coach of the year. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Um, and I feel like this, this team just got better as the year went on, too. That's why I ended up – that's why I picked them to win it all in my – bracket was I mean obviously I didn't want to pick South Carolina but like also just Virginia Tech was like they got so much better as the year went on they were a good team to start out with and they just got better and better each game they played it felt like and uh that goes to coaching a lot uh learning from what he might have done wrong in, in some games and and then just you know correcting it so um I think, I think that's a great pick uh, I definitely see why you went with that one for coach of the year yeah absolutely and so we'll get into player of the year now I'll go first since you went first last time there's only one right answer here. It's Caitlin Clark, dog. She is unbelievable. Um, I'm really, really excited to see how the rest of her career plays out. Like I mentioned before, she's a Steph Curry-esque player, the way she plays, the way she can shoot and, and create shots, not just for herself, but for her teammates. 
Um, I, I think she's far and away the best player in, in women's basketball right now. And I'm really, really excited to see uh, how she pans out and, and kind of how that WNBA career looks. Yeah, and I'll go ahead and say I picked the same player. I, I we, we said we talked a little bit about what our picks were going to be, and I didn't want to give the same answer for everything. Uh, it, it'd be easy to, to do that because you know we, we we think similarly, and obviously we saw the same thing play out. Um, and I would have loved to have picked anybody else. I tried. I thought about I thought about Angel Reese. I thought about um, oh no, her, her name's South Carolina. Aaliyah Boston. Yes, I couldn't think yeah. of her name. It just, it just blanked on me. I, I had the A. I, I had the A. I couldn't get <laughs> the rest of it. Um, but yeah, I, I thought about both of them, um, and it just it didn't feel right. I, I didn't feel like I'd be genuine by giving an answer that wasn't what I really thought. Um, and I, I really do think Caitlin Clark's the best player in women's basketball right now, uh, and she she has a case to be one of the greatest seasons of all time. Uh, I don't I don't think that's a too hot of a take to, to say put out there. It's not outrageous to say, I don't think. Um, 27.8 points per game, 7.1 rebounds, 8.6 assists, a steal and a half, and half a block a game, while shooting 47.3% from the field and, and 39% from three, um, 84% from the free throw line. Just crazy efficient. Um, and when you watch when you watch their games, dude, she's just everywhere. Um, teams know what's coming. They can't stop it. It's, it's so impressive to see. Um, that South Carolina game was a masterclass. Um, and uh, she had multiple of those. That was one that I got to watch the entire thing. That's why I, I point that one out. And like, it was, I was watching it with a, with a buddy of mine and I said, I'll leave after the first quarter. Cause it was getting kind of late. And I was like 45 minutes from, from Clemson. And it's like the first quarter came and I was like, this team's playing really well. And then I'm like, I gotta, like, I gotta stay until at least halftime. And the games got better and better as so the game went on. And she's just like, lights out like she pulls up from anywhere i'm like is, is it going in it's going in and it's like it's just she, she's amazing um and i don't want to spend too much time talking about her but the obvious pick i tried to go uh with with i want to give an honorable mention to angel reese and Aaliyah boston but i had to settle on caitlin clark i, I, I thought i'd be disgen, dis disingenuous i guess i don't know what the word i'm looking for is I think but that's I, what you're going for i, I feel like i would have been uh, a little bit of, of a liar if i didn't pick her because that that was my obvious pick even though you also picked it I mean, there's one right answer here. You can't get around that. I mean, she almost averaged a triple-double and shot yeah. 50% from the field. One of every two shots is going in. She pulled up at one point in the South Carolina game. South Carolina was kind of coming back. I think it was in the fourth quarter, I think. She hit a step back from the logo and drained it. And I was like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? You can't, you can't stop that. I mean, I mean, I couldn't even be like – too terribly upset that South Carolina had had lost just because of how well Caitlin Clark played. Because I thought South Carolina played pretty well. You know, foul trouble kind of limited the Gamecocks. But, I mean, you you just – you got to tip your cap at that point and say, listen, credit where credit is due. That was unreal. That was unbelievable. Um, one of the best individual college basketball performances I've seen in a long, long time. Men, women, doesn't matter. So um, I, I think the player of the year has to be Caitlin Clark, and th there's really no debating it whatsoever. There's just yeah, you can't get around it. Yeah, and the energy she brought, um, and like the uh, she's a she's a huge reason why the numbers were they were the, the way they were. Like the excitement she brought um, to all, all kinds of different people. I I, I saw like a, a sign that was like um, it had like crossed out Steph Curry and like crossed, crossed out LeBron James, and it was like I'm here to watch Caitlin Clark, like something like that. And it was like really cool to see and like. I know that there's a uh, 
similar to how we grew up and we saw guys like um, like Steph in a way change the game that we wanted to play. Like we want to shoot more threes because of that. There's going to be a whole host of like a new generation of like female basketball players that want to be like Caitlin Clark. And it's really awesome to see. Yeah, I think it's it's nothing but positive things for uh, the the women's game. And she definitely deserves player of the year. I know we gave her player of the year. I think she's pretty much won every player of the year award there is. I know she won the Wooden Award. So um, just listen, tippy cap. It's an unbelievable year, an unbelievable couple performances she had. And yeah, definitely deserves it. So let's get into team of the year. Thomas, your turn. Yeah, this is what I was talking about. I didn't really think about it. I, I kind of pick all these things without thinking about what I was picking for the rest of them. And I feel kind of weird picking this as my team of the year, but South Carolina. Um, yeah, I, I you know, I, I mentioned that Don Staley was my coach. And when I thought about coach of the year, I, I was like, well, it's got to be her. Um, and then I was thinking team of the year and I was like, well, it's got to be them. Um, and it, it, they bet they feed off of each other, both of those answers, um, just because, you know, that that team she, she's a great coach. She could she could will any group of players to wins. I think she has that kind of basketball mind. But the team that she's assembled is just so, so dominant. Uh, so many great players, so many five stars, so many just future legends in the WNBA. Um, it's just full of them. That, that whole team is. And they were so dominant all year. Um, it, it took just a, a, a wild experience, super like a human. wild game. Yeah, a superhuman effort from Caitlin Clark to win that game. They they had probably the best men or women's basketball team that's ever been assembled in college, I think. I don't think that's crazy to say either, that the team is just so full of talent. Um, and so, like, when, when I think of best team, I think of how good of a season they had and think about the, the, the depth and the talent of players. And there's just no other answer for me other than South Carolina, unfortunately. <laughs> I know. I, I made my heart happy, Thomas, that you're, you're sitting here loving on the Gamecocks. I just – I didn't know you felt this way. We could have had so many better memories this past year. Listen, it's okay. It's okay. I'm only going to hold it against you for the rest of your life. Don't worry about it. Um, listen, there's there's no argument around the fact that South Carolina was the best women's basketball team, right? I know that the, 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 they didn't win a national championship, but the saying goes, sometimes the best doesn't always win. I think that they got beat by Wonder Woman herself and Caitlin Clark in that game. I think if South Carolina wins, they probably waltz all over LSU. They did it once. I think they probably do it twice, but they didn't. And, and so, you know, you, you've got to kind of just go and, and say, listen, sometimes the best doesn't always win. That's a saying for a reason. I think it's very, very true in this year. I think that we had mentioned if if anybody but South Carolina won, it would be a fluke. I, I definitely think the fact that LSU won out of the four teams just kind of proves that statement. Like, yeah, okay. Like it definitely is just a fluke that these girls are winning. And that's not to take anything away from LSU. That's just to say that South Carolina is that good, but don't feel bad about your coach and your, and your team of the year being the same. Cause mine is too, I'm going for Virginia tech. <laughs> and I think it's kind of funny. We picked both of my teams. So awesome. <laughs> that makes me happy. Um, I picked Virginia Tech for the same reasons that I picked Kenny Brooks. This is a program that has been terrible for years and years and years. They they had nobody go to their games. They had no kind of recruiting prowess anywhere in the country. It was just, oh, yeah, by the way, there's a women's basketball game tonight. And it turned into, like, selling out Castle. It turned into um, hosting the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history, making the, the Final Four for the first time in school history. And so that has to get a shout out. Um, I, I definitely 
have that sense of kind of bias towards it just because I am a Virginia Tech fan. I'm from Virginia, um, born, not raised. And so, like, obviously there's going to be a little bit of bias there, but I, I think that it it's it's warranted, right? They they stormed through the ACC in the back half of the year. They stormed through the NCAA tournament. Georgia Amor, Liz Kitley, a, a dynamic duo, one of the best in the country. They were unfortunate not to beat LSU. LSU just too deep and too athletic for the Hokies. But they definitely get my nod as team of the year just because of where they were, where they are now, and they've got a lot of people coming back, Liz Kitley being one of them, who I think they've got a chance in the next couple of years to kind of establish themselves as one of the hierarchies in women's basketball. Yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, I already kind of gave my spiel on on Kenny and on the, the team as a whole. They got better as the year went on. It was really impressive to see throughout the year. I do just want to shout out LSU. I, I know that like neither of us picked them, but I'm also pretty confident we didn't pick the the men's winner either. We're trying to pick not like the, the obvious answer here. The best team of the year technically is LSU. That's the way that that works. Um, technically, they're the best team all year because they won the championship. But we didn't pick them because it, it seems kind of obvious. They they do deserve it though. They were a great team. Um, I mean, only two losses goes to speak for itself. Uh, one of those coming to Tennessee by two points in the a semifinal of the SEC, and then they lost to South Carolina at, you know, in, in Columbia. Had that game been played at LSU? Who no, no, I'm joking. Okay. Um, I'm joking. But uh, LSU had a phenomenal season. They are uh, deservedly the champions, but there's no fun in picking champion as the team of the year. So uh, right. shout out LSU, honorable mention. Both of us definitely, I'll, I'll speak for you here, considered making that team that you picked. So, I, I um, definitely did. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't win a national championship and you're not the team of the year. Like, there's no getting around that. Like, yeah. you literally are the team of the year. So, yeah. but, you know, like you said, a lot of times when we do these shows, I try to pick people other than the national champion. Like, I picked Tulane in football for the same reason I picked Virginia Tech. It's like, oh, well, this team was terrible last year. They were really good this year. Shout out to them. Like, they're my team of the year. And I, I kind of, I do something a little similar for the men. We'll get into it in just a minute, but um i'll go ahead and spoil i didn't pick uconn but you know i just think that sometimes love needs to be shared and so that's what we do here at next athletics we share the love we'll get into our last segment for the women game of the year thomas this is the game that just kind of put women's basketball on the map i feel like in a lot of situations that is south carolina versus iowa in that final four i was driving home from Columbia after work on Friday, listening to this game. And I mean, it was just crazy to hear on the radio. And then finally, when I got home at the start of the fourth quarter, was really, really excited to watch it. It was an unbelievable game from start to finish. It was close. I don't think Iowa really ever got up by too many points. South Carolina didn't ever get up by too many points. It was back and forth. Caitlin Clark, obviously the superhuman performance that it was. Uh, that is definitely my game of the year. Yeah. A great pick there. I'll say, there was so much anticipation after the 41-point triple-double against Louisville in the Elite Eight from Caitlin Clark. That game against South Carolina just had so much anticipation about, well, such a great player in Caitlin Clark and such a great team and such a great coach in South Carolina. What's going to happen? And it lived up to the hype. Um, that game was one that I was worried going into it, that South Carolina would run them out of the building. And it just didn't happen, and it was great to see. It was a really good game all around. Um, and then, you know, we talked about sharing the love. Unfortunately – um, I picked Iowa for my game of the year against Indiana, though. Um, that game, I think, is what 
gave me uh, an understanding of who Caitlin Clark was. I, I'm not going to sit here and, and try to boast that I know everything about women's college basketball. I didn't know much about Iowa um, for most of the season, I would say. But I do remember covering the Iowa-Indiana game on February 26th. Uh, Iowa was at home, and Caitlin Clark hit a buzzer beater three to win it. It was a great game, uh, a lot of like back-and-forth action in that one. And Caitlin Clark put up 34-9-9 and hit the buzzer beater three to win it. That game, to me, um, kind of changed the course of the season for Iowa, at least. And then by doing that, also changed the course of the season for all of college basketball and the women's side of things. So that, for me, was the game of the year. Even though it didn't have as much to on the line as the Final Four game, it, it still was a really big game and a really big moment. Yeah, and there's a case to be made that that was the game that changed their season. Right. And, and I know that at that point, Iowa was already guaranteed a spot in, in the tournament and they were already having a really, really good year. But that game kind of put them on the map. They kind of put the country on watch. And it's part of the reason why I picked Iowa to win the Big 12 or Big 10, excuse me, in um in our, our preview show. It's part of the reason why I picked Iowa to get all the way to the final four is because of that game. I, I didn't I didn't watch too much of that game. I, I did spend a little time watching it, but it was just such an impressive performance from Iowa and Caitlin Clark, especially that I, I just felt like that game kind of was the stepping stone, right? That was the, the tree fell in the forest and it, and it knocked everything over. The domino effect had begun. And yeah, I mean, that definitely deserves to be, be up there for, for game of the year. It was obviously the ending itself is up there for, for ending of the year. And, and so I, I'm definitely really excited to see kind of, now that we've had games like this that have kind of put women's basketball in a different picture than what we've seen in years past, as far as storylines and everything goes. Oh, I'm interested to see how that kind of corresponds with next year and, and, and Iowa and LSU and South Carolina and Virginia tech and how they, they take the, their run this year, the storylines that were created because of it and, and how that goes into full effect next year when we have a new season and new players and new and new coaches as well. Yeah, I just want to say, along with all the people that we've talked about today, somebody that hasn't been talked about because of injury is Paige Bleckers. And she at UConn is, was supposed to be the player of the year going into this year. She's been crazy good in her entire time at, at UConn that she's played. And so with her being back next year, um, along with a, a great player like Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, uh, South Carolina's domination, Virginia Tech on the rise. Like, there's so many great storylines going into next year. I'm excited to watch it all play out, um, especially with with the coverage that um, they've been getting as a whole recently. It's just a really exciting time for women's basketball. Yeah, on the up and up for sure. But that's it for our women's basketball side of things. We're going to get into the men, and I'll go first with my coach of the year, like I said, I kind of went in a different direction. There were a couple different guys I, I could have picked. I picked a coach whose team was picked to finish dead last in their conference, and they were a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. They won their conference. They were a sweet 16 out, I'm pretty sure, to Michigan State. Um, or no, round of 32, I think. I can't remember. One of the two. I I I, I think it was that. Anyways, I'll get to it. Marquette's Shaka Smart, a guy who has been all over the country, I feel like. He was at VCU when VCU went deep in the tournament. He was at Texas for a little while. He's now at Marquette. He turned that program around quickly. Marquette, you know, kind of known for being a basketball school. 
out there in uh, in Milwaukee. But the fact that they were picked to finish dead last and then not only won their conference but were a two seed in the NCAA tournament, that definitely warrants, at least for me, Coach of the Year. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Uh, Marquette was a great team all year. Chaka Smart kind of put them there. I feel like they are a good basketball school. But, like, as the year went on, they just kind of kept getting better and better, similar to how I was talking about Virginia Tech. But, like, they just stayed under the radar the whole time, too. And uh, I think as the tournament came around and uh, after they won the Big East and all that happened, um, people started realizing how good of a coach Chaka Smart is. That's a great pick. Um, somebody that I – Thought about picking, but I didn't want to double up on what you were saying. But yeah, Chaka Smart definitely did some incredible, incredible things at uh, at Marquette this year, and uh, I'm excited to see what the rest of or the, the upcoming years of his career look like. Uh, I went with a similar story, I guess not uh, not exactly. I went with Jerome Tang um, from Kansas State. I feel like that Kansas State team exceeded expectations almost from the get-go. Uh, I'm kind of looking uh, – today I was kind of looking back at their schedule. I'm looking at it again right now and, like, where they came from. They didn't see the rankings until uh, the second week of January. And this is a team that really, when we got to the uh, Elite Eight, we were talking about had a really good chance of winning the whole thing. Um, and this is a team that gave Texas their first win on the road or at, like Texas's first loss at home, but they, they gave Texas their first loss at home. They gave Baylor their first loss at home. They they went and, and they, they beat a team like Kansas. They just were really good uh, for a, a long time, and they were really good all year. And for it being his first year there, for him to get the, the players to buy into the culture, um, first-year coaches don't always succeed at the level that he did, especially don't exceed expectations at the level that he did. So they did a lot of very impressive things, and I think that it kind of all goes back to him. Absolutely agree with that. I almost picked him. Um, it was it was pretty much between him and Shaka Smart who I was going to pick. And, you know, I think that it goes without saying. Obviously, he won Coach of the Year for the NCAA. But, you know, it just – I feel like it's it's getting overlooked just how big of a step he took in his first year. I mean, Kansas State, while they weren't terrible – Last year, they were definitely not as good as they are. They went out and, and completely reshaped that team in the portal. They they just kind of showed kind of how the portal should be utilized. And for those guys to completely buy in in his first year, not really knowing the guy, not really kind of having seen any kind of, you know, oomph there, right? For the lack of a better word, oomph, to, to really buy into – but they dove right in and and the videos of of their little baby clap in the in the locker room pregame i think that that is so cool i think that he is definitely a players coach and you know for recruiting and stuff going forward i think Kansas State is going to have a lot of momentum with Jerome Tang at the helm i think that people are going to want to play for him and i think that for a long time coming we could be talking about this Kansas State team led by Jerome Tang yeah for sure i honestly didn't, didn't really realize until I guess right now I picked both coaches of the year for the actual like award that actually <laughs> happened. And I didn't think about that. I didn't even like, I was thinking about who I thought personally was the best coach of the year. And I guess I just agreed with what the voters thought too, which is a little bit boring. Um, but you know what I picked, I picked what I thought was the best coach of the year. And I just, it just happened to agree with what everybody else said. Um, unfortunately, I just, I guess I'm basic, but uh, okay. I am excited to see though, what Jerome Tank can do. A lot of those key contributors, guys like um, Dante Johnson 
and, and Marquise Noel and, and Desi Sills, like these guys, they, they are upperclassmen. A lot of these guys are seniors. Um, some of them may have an extra year of eligibility because of COVID. Some of them may not. I don't know all the, I don't know all their stories like that. But um, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of builds from where he is now. Uh, this this team is gonna kind of have to be reshaped again, and it'll be interesting to see how he goes about doing that going forward. He definitely has his work cut out for him for next year. But I mean, I don't. If you're a Kansas State fan, I don't think you want anybody else at the helm other than Jerome Tang right now. I mean, I don't. I just I can't think of anybody in the country I would rather have coaching my team right now. But Jerome Tang. So Kansas State, you got a good one. Hold on to him. Don't let him go because I think he could really take Kansas State basketball somewhere special. So, Thomas, let's get into player of the year. I went first this time, so you go first now. Uh, give us your player of the year. So, yeah, me personally, I'm going to be staying in the state of Kansas. I'm going with the guy, Jalen Wilson. Um, I, I don't think it's crazy, crazy to say that Kansas was – one of the best teams all year might have been, my, in my opinion, probably the best team for most of the season. And I think the main reason behind that is Jalen Wilson's success. Guy that averaged 20 points per game, 8.2 rebounds per game. And whenever they needed a bucket, he was the guy they could go to. Uh, very reliable player. And he didn't necessarily show up out of, out of nowhere, but he made a huge jump from from the last two years. And uh, it was really impressive to see the season that he put on this year. Absolutely. I mean, there's a there's definitely a case to be made for him to win player of the year. I know Zach Eady technically got it, but I, I, if it were me and, and with the guys on the board, I probably would have picked Jalen Wilson as well. I think Jalen Wilson is the reason Kansas was as good as they were. You know, we talked about a lot there, especially in the middle of the year when Kansas was just kind of either eking by or or they were losing by just a little bit. And we were saying, listen, Jalen Wilson is the only guy showing up right now. And so Ultimately, that you that led to their downfall, but it, an unbelievable year from a player like Jalen Wilson. Uh, I think that it just has to be acknowledged. It needs to be recognized, but I'm definitely uh, in agreement with you on that one as far as Jalen Wilson for player of the year. So I'll name mine. Okay, there's a little controversy behind it, so just bear with me. But I'm going with Brandon Miller, and I know – all the crap that happened off the court and, you know, maybe he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Make better decisions. However, right. I'm strictly picking off of basketball and basketball only. And I think Brandon Miller is an absolute player. I think he's got a career ahead of him in the NBA, as long as he can stay out of trouble. Um, I'm excited to see this guy continue to play at the level he's playing at, right? He's an elite scorer. He's an elite defender and he's got size like KD. I think that he could be a real matchup nightmare in the NBA. Yeah, he's an exciting player to watch. Um, he He's just a great basketball player. I think he, um, from everything that I'm seeing about the NBA draft upcoming, he's the best prospect that's currently in college. Uh, the other two guys that are ahead of him aren't college basketball players. So him being the best prospect in college right now clearly translates to him being one of the best players straight up. Um, and he had a great season. The best player on the best team going into the tournament, I mean, they were the number one seed for a reason. I think he was a big part of that reason. Um, and so Brandon Miller definitely had a great season, a really fun player to watch. I'm excited to see what he can get done in the future. And um, I really hate that there's so much off-court controversy, but, you know, like you're saying, make better decisions. But um, I hope that that kind of leaves him and that he can kind of focus on the basketball side of things and get his career started in the NBA in the right direction. Yeah, you definitely don't wish you don't wish anything like that on anybody. Um, and, and you know, I think that 
there also is a level of respect that goes along with that just for staying focused, not letting the noise kind of get to you, especially at such a crucial time in the season. He just kind of took it on the chin and said, yeah, you know what? Wrong place, wrong time. Bad decisions were made, but that does not necessarily define who I am as a person. That doesn't define who I am as a basketball player. He went out and handled work. They didn't really slump. Um, they, they had a couple close games, especially that that day after all that kind of stuff broke here in South Carolina. But even in that game, he had a great performance. I'm pretty sure he put up 40 plus. So, you know, to to stay focused in, in a moment like that, just to show that kind of level of respect for the game, the level of respect for yourself, know that you're not in the wrong. I just think that that also kind of played into my picking him just because he stayed focused in such a, a tough time to stay focused. Great. So, Thomas, that kind of leads me into my team of the year as well. I picked Alabama as my team of the year. You said it for South Carolina. You know, I think all season we didn't have a clear-cut team of the year. But when it came down to the wire, it kind of came down to the tournament, I felt like Alabama was far and away the best team. They were playing the best basketball, and they came up against a really good defense like um, San Diego State, and, you know, they they had a loss to a team like Tennessee earlier in the year, and that just kind of had proven to be their kryptonite was the fact that sometimes when teams are just really good defensively, they can't get past them. But I don't think that takes away from the fact that they were one of the best teams, and in my opinion, the best team in college basketball this year. I think that, you know, the, the criticism of the off-court stuff aside, this team was unbelievable from start to finish. They They never really slumped. They were highly ranked at the start of the year. They finished the year highly ranked as well. Obviously, it didn't end the way they wanted them to, but I think Alabama definitely deserves a shout for team of the year. Yeah, I definitely agree. They, uh, again, down the stretch, it was kind of hard to figure out what team deserved that number one overall seed. And then after all the tournaments played out and conference tournaments, I, I mean, after all the conference tournaments played out, uh, Bama was far and away the best team, it felt like. Um, in a year where there wasn't a lot of consistency, I feel like they were a team that, stayed consistent throughout the whole year. They were one of the top teams that didn't really lose games that they shouldn't. The games that they lost, outside of really the Oklahoma game, I feel like um, all feel, felt pretty normal. They felt like they you know, were bound to happen at some point. Uh, Alabama had a, a really good season. Uh, I don't I don't, ha- I don't hate that pick at all. Um, and that's, that's one that I actually thought about whenever I was picking my team. But I did go a different direction. Me and you kind of um, hinted at – uh, you know, you talked about you picked Tulane because of the, the way they went about their stuff and all that kind of stuff. I, I picked a similar team. I picked FAU. This is a team that personally I didn't like all year. I'll be honest with you. But they proved me wrong time and again, dude. I remember sitting in in January, I think it was when they first got ranked. And I remember sitting there and I was like, this team doesn't deserve to be ranked. I, I was looking through the, the lens of only liking College of Charleston as a mid-major. And I was like, FAU's like – like, sure, they're, like, good, but, like, they're getting blown out of proportion. Like, they, they don't deserve to be ranked in January just because they have, like, they're playing an easy schedule. I was, like, getting really upset about it. I really did not like that <laughs> team. And and they just, like, continued to win games. Uh, they, I, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, had, like, the best record percentage-wise this season. I mean, only the the four losses um, bodes well for them. They had a really good season, uh, upset a lot of teams, made, made a Cinderella run, but they were a Cinderella that, was good all year. It's kind of weird to see that. Like usually uh, Cinderella's, I feel like uh, don't always get the recognition throughout the the whole year, but this is a team that was recognized for a good portion of the year. They were in and out of the top 25. 
um, up until March, really. In March, they, they stopped getting that, that top 25 nod. They took it personally, started winning games again. They were dominant in their conference, um, and then they they showed out when it mattered most in the in the tournament. And so for me, uh, just because of how wrong I was all year, I feel like I have to finally <laughs> give them some some credit. And, and to me, they're the uh, they're my team of the year. Yeah, I mean, and it's such a good story too. Like this tiny school down in South Beach, they're not even the biggest name in their own market. You've got Miami, who's just down the road, who is having a great year in and of themselves. So I, I definitely don't disagree with that. I think I was talking to my dad, and that was uh, the team he mentioned as his team of the year, just because of the story, just because of how well they played all year long. And we'll, we'll talk about the Conference USA as well. They made the Final Four, they won the NIT, and they won the CBI. So respect the Conference USA. You showed up, you showed out, you won almost, you almost made the trifecta. You almost did everything. Um, you just fell just a little bit short with FAU, but the fact that FAU got there, you got the trifecta in my opinion. So FAU definitely deserves that team of the year ranking. I definitely, I just, I can't disagree with that. And as far as, you know, story and how they played from start to finish and the fact that they were a Cinderella without being a Cinderella, you know, we talked about it on last week's show, just, you know, what constitutes a Cinderella. And we both kind of like agreed that maybe FAU really isn't that Cinderella, but, you know, being a nine seed, they, they kind of are. And so I was excited to see FAU do as well as they did. I didn't think they would do that well. I actually picked Memphis to beat them. Um, and, you know, controversy aside they did win that game and obviously they went on this historic run so I was really really excited to see how that that season played out for a team like FAU and how it played out for a conference like Conference USA as well all right my game of the year man I struggled between two so I'm gonna give both uh the first one that came to my mind was K-State and Kansas that game to me really got back, like college basketball back in the swing of things. I feel like there's a lot of energy that like just kind of followed that game being played. And so I, I thought that game, like, I don't know, it felt like a championship game in like early, like, or late, I think it was, I don't know the exact, I think it was late January or. I think it was like middle of January. Yeah. Yeah. Middle January. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That game in OT a one-point game finish that, like, both teams were just giving their all. Like, it felt like a postseason game in January, and it just it added so much to, to college basketball this season, I felt like. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. That game in and of itself, I feel like, kind of got the hype going again in college basketball. It just, you know, football dominates for so long that, you know, by the time everybody starts paying attention to college basketball, sometimes the teams are already set and they're kind of on their way. And so I feel like there was a there was a risk at this point in the season that Kansas was going to be one of those teams that just kind of ran away with it. And little did we know it was actually the start of one of the most chaotic seasons in college basketball history. So, you know, obviously it, it was an unbelievable game, an unbelievable finish. They stormed the court. It was the first time they had won in like five years, I think it was something like that. So the stories behind this game and the fact that it was as good as it was, as close as it was, and ended the way it did, I think definitely constitutes the the title of game of the year. For sure. And then I, I leaned towards one other game that this one I feel like gets overlooked. I almost forgot it happened. Um, UNC Alabama in November. This game 
took place on November 27th. Final score, 103-101, to 101, Alabama won. It went to four overtimes. Wow. Um, like, crazy games all around, and it ended with a buzzer beater to win it from, you know, none other than our guy, uh, not Brandon Miller. But um, <laughs> it, it was – like there was there were buzzers like buzzer beaters to to get this game like to continue going and like just so many big shots hit. Brandon Miller did have a good game. Uh, I just I, I thought it'd be funny to you know get anybody on the edge of the seat. It just didn't happen. But uh, yeah. a really good game all around. This is at the point in time when when UNC looked like that team. They were still number one in the country. It looked like they were going to have that ability to go on a crazy run. And a little bit of credit to Alabama for kind of putting them going the wrong direction. But this game to me. Uh, and the Phil Knight Invitational was one that just like had it been had this had this game taken place in in January or February, it would have been the talk of everything. But because it happened in November and people are still watching college football, it got overlooked a little bit. And so this game deserves at least some talking points, in my opinion. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I got to be honest, I completely forgot that game even happened. You know, it just kind of fell fell victim to the fact that it was on rivalry weekend on the not other than literally the biggest weekend in college football. So, you know, unfortunate timing for that game, but yeah, I mean, four overtimes, anytime a game goes to four overtimes, you could make a case for it to be team, uh, excuse me, game of the year. Um, gosh, that was so long ago. I don't even remember much about that game, but I do remember it just being crazy, just being absolutely nuts. Obviously 103 to 101, the fact that it was through four overtimes and was still that close. Uh, I mean, yeah, definitely up there for game of the year. Um, I, I definitely am glad that you shot, shouted that game out because I think a lot of people, myself included, had just kind of written November and December off for college basketball and said, toodaloo, you don't really matter. But, you know, there are definitely games like that that just kind of pop up and they give us instant classics that sometimes find themselves falling victim to the fact that there was a football game on at the same time. So I'll name my team of the uh, excuse me game of the year, and I just have a tournament bias. I just gotta put put that out there because literally both of my games of the year were in the tournament, and both years were in the regular season. And there are so many good games during the regular season to pick from. Um, I almost picked um, the UVA Duke game as my honorable mention, where maybe it was a foul, maybe it wasn't a foul, goes to overtime, and UVA wins. Um, that game is definitely in there. I thought about picking that game, but I ended up going with Kansas State, Michigan State, the Sweet 16 game that they had. Just a, an instant classic. I think it was the game of the tournament as far as the the March tournament goes. Obviously, there, you could make a case for a couple other games, but for me, just the way the basketball was being played, the fact that Michigan State was down, came racing back in the last minute of the game, it was unbelievable. I just a comeback to to get themselves level to force overtime, and obviously they fell victim to Kansas State. They didn't quite make it out, but Tommy March had it at it had at it again, and and I just I'm really excited that you know I felt like up until this point the tournament had kind of been lackluster. I know that they had had some kind of big upsets, but I just felt like the games themselves just kind of hadn't lived up to the hype. Yeah, I agree. This this is the game that kind of just felt it felt like March. You know, it was two great teams battling the entire game, playing it close, uh, fighting to the very end, and that's the way March should be. I, I don't, I don't think you have a 
a bias. I think it's a it's a natural thing. Whenever the games mean more and the games are closer, it just it feels bigger. It feels better. It's also more recent. Like the the tournament, I think, always is going to provide the best games um, of the season, just because of the nature of how the tournament works. And so that's a great pick. Um, that game really. It felt like March, I guess. I really can't say it any other way. Yeah. A lot of the a lot of the first few rounds didn't really feel like March Madness, really. Like even like some of the upsets, it just didn't feel right this year. I don't know, something was weird about it, but that game felt like a, a March Madness game between two teams that just really, really, really wanted it. And so um I think that's a great pick there. Yeah. And uh on the my my final honorable mention was Iowa, Michigan State, I think it was like the last weekend of the regular season. I can't remember off the top of my head, but Iowa was down 13 with a minute and a half remaining, and they won in overtime. They hit like four threes in a row to to tie the game, and then um, they won in overtime. So just I can't remember the score off the top of my head, but I do know that that was another game that I was thinking about picking um, as well. Just so many games that that – deserve to be uh, a shout out for game of the year. They're just, there's so many games, right? There, we could pick probably 10 each uh, of games that we would consider our top 10 games of the year. And we could probably do it without overlapping all that much, just because of how many good games there are, how many um, exciting um, adventures that college basketball takes us on. And, and in a year where the inconsistencies were off the wall, maybe they're number one, maybe they're number one, maybe they're number one. UConn comes out as the number one team and I'm just, I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it. I've said it time and time again on the show. When it's not my teams, I love chaos. College basketball this season definitely provided excess chaos. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if this is a new trend or if we're going to go back to a little more normalcy next year with more of the, the old usual teams dominating, or, you know, maybe it's just, we're in a time now where it's just chaos, chaos, chaos all the time. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, completely minded. I mean, we talked last week about the question that Andrew had for us and we both kind of said, we'd like to see more normalcy, but um, I mean, it's, it's still fun, you know, regardless, it's fun to have a year like this. Um, And yeah, a great, a really just great basketball season all around. I feel like. Yeah, definitely. And I think we might be witnessing a changing of the guards. I I really do think that we're going to start seeing some new teams pop up like Kansas state, this year that are just going to kind of step up and say, Hey, by the way, we're basketball schools now. Right. I just think that you're going to start to see that. And you're going to start to see some teams like Kentucky who have been really, really good in years past start to slip. Right. I just, I think it's that time. It's that time where coaches are starting to retire coaches that, that have been there for forever are going to leave. Players are going to leave because of it. They're not going to recruit as well. You're going to start to see a slump. And I think that, you know, Mike Krzyzewski left this year, that Duke was all over the place. Um, Hubert Davis didn't really kind of get the team going like he did last year for North Carolina. Mike Krzyzewski, or excuse me, John Calipari had had all kinds of problems going on. Kentucky fans wanted him fired in January. So I, I think that there's a lot going on this year in college basketball that constitutes why it was so crazy and why it was just off the wall, just nuts. But I think that this could potentially be a changing of the guards. I think we could start to see some new teams step up and, and be blue bloods, quote unquote. So I'm excited to see next year how how it plays out. I've said it before. Absolutely love college basketball. It's a, it's a great time 
in the year when, you know, there's just not a lot going on and you get to sit back on any night you want and, and watch a good college basketball game. Yeah, that's a point I didn't even really think about was all the changes that have happened recently. And, yeah, there's definitely a, a good chance that we see new faces pop up that are going to be staples for, for years to come. And I'm excited to watch it all play out. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed now that college basketball is over. Um, it definitely is one of my favorite sports, all the chaos, um, especially March Madness, definitely the, the best tournament in sports. So um, it's sad to see it come to an end, but it was a good ride while it lasted. And, you know, I can't wait for next year. Absolutely. We've reached that time now where we've got like a, a sports lull where there's just not a lot going on. I was looking for something to watch earlier today and I was watching like recaps of the practice round at the Masters. It's like, what am I doing with my life right now? I'm just, <laughs> I'm that bored. I need college basketball, <laughs> but it's okay. I'll make it. I'll make it. South Carolina's got a good baseball team. So I'll just dive into baseball head first now. Um, so that leads us into the final thing we're going to talk about today. We're going to give you guys a little podcast update. Obviously, Thomas and I went to two shows a week to just keep up with the tournament, to keep you guys updated on the timelines. And a lot of times those shows were 45, 30 minute long, just kind of quick pop ins. Hey, hello. This is what's going on. See you guys later. So we're going to kind of get away from that again. We're going to go back to one show a week. Uh, Thomas and I will record them on Tuesday evenings. So if you have something you want us to know about from from either the weekend or the weekend coming up, let us know by Tuesday evening. About five-ish is when we'll record. And then that episode will come out Wednesday morning, probably around 8, 9 o'clock and sometime, somewhere in that area. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to be talking a lot about baseball. But honestly, guys, like – it's almost football time, right? I know that there's a lot of buzz in Columbia right now because the spring games in a couple of weeks. So Thomas and I are going to be starting to preview the upcoming college football season. We're going to talk about spring games uh, and we're going to definitely be shouting out a lot of new college sports that we haven't talked about a lot, track and field, tennis, golf, all the sports, because that is what we do here at Next Gen Athletics. And I apologize that we've gotten away from that. The tournament itself was just a whirlwind. I know Thomas and I were all over the place trying to cover it all for you guys. And I hope you guys enjoyed what we did. I know Thomas, I might be speaking for you on this, but I had a lot of fun covering it. It was a new way of looking at the tournament. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. It was there's things that we did this year that I think we could do better about next year. But uh, I think we've learned a lot. I think we did a good job and I, I had a good time doing it. I definitely agree. It was a good time. Uh, definitely difficult with spring break and stuff, but we worked it out pretty well. And uh, I definitely think there's a lot to, to be learned from, but you know, that's part of the experience when it's your first time covering the best tournament in sports, you're going to have to learn from it a little bit. And so, um, yeah, we're going to do our best going forward to, you know, also I just want to point out while, while I'm thinking about this, you guys, if you have any, you know, tips for us or something that you'd like to see us cover more, something like that, just drop them on the Twitter. You know, yeah. you can, you guys, we are, we are very open to uh, suggestions on how we can, better help uh, you guys enjoy your experience listening to our podcast. This is definitely a fan-driven podcast, right? We want you guys to let us know what you want to hear about, right? If you want a full episode on some random college sport that I've got no knowledge about, let me know, right? Give me a week or so maybe to look at it and, and Thomas as well. But like, I, I'm here for the critiques. I'm here for, for the suggestions um, we're at a time now where college athletics is kind of dipping. So we're going to need stuff to talk about, right? We, we can't just create storylines on our own. We're not that mainstream. I know that might be a surprise, but we can't do that, right? We can't create those narratives. We're just not quite there yet. 
So, you know, give us stuff to talk about. We would absolutely love to hear from you guys. What are your thoughts on today's show? What are your thoughts on the college basketball season? Right. I, I'm just going to say, I don't think it's too early to start talking about college football now that college basketball is over because that's just kind of a revolving door. They just, one ends, the next one starts. So, um, I think that it's 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 an exciting time here at Next Gen Athletics, and that leads me into my next point, guys. I know that Next Gen Gamecocks and Next Gen Gobblers has been dormant for a little while. Everything with the tournament just got nuts here at Next Gen Athletics. I had to take care of the national show before I could take care of the Virginia Tech and South Carolina shows. So. From the bottom of my heart, Gamecock Hokie fans, I apologize. Those shows will be starting back up soon. Um, I'm looking at probably next week to get those going again, just to give you guys some spring sports updates. Gamecock fans, we got a lot to talk about as far as baseball goes. Hokie fans, softball, baseball, not doing too bad. So I'm looking forward to those. Those Twitter pages will be a little more active as well. Uh, Thomas, give us an update on Next Gen Tigers. Yeah, right now, Next Gen Tigers has also been a little bit dormant podcast-wise, episode-wise. Um, the we are doing our best on the Twitter to to keep uh, our our fans updated on what's going on with all the various spring sports, but um, the episodes have been kind of hard to manage. Me and Mike's schedule, um, me and him are on very different schedules. The way our classes work out, um, like this week, I have two exams. Last week, he was going through a week of exams, and it's kind of hard for us to find that 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 sweet spot. And it's been a little bit difficult. Um, we we are both getting to a point in the semester where it's not gonna be as busy um up until finals and so we, we should be more consistent episode release wise but genuinely if you have uh any interest in clemson sports um our twitter page keeps everybody updated as best as we can um letting everybody know what's going on with baseball and softball um golf tennis but women's lacrosse is kind of wrapping up their season now um but we, we've been keeping up with it the best we can softball right now is, is what you want to keep up with the most for clemson sports and we are covering that to the best of our ability so um, the Twitter is definitely something you want to check out at Next Gen Tigers, um, and and we'll be releasing episodes here soon. It has been a little bit of a break since spring break, but it's just been hard to get that schedule figured out coming back from uh, that little bit of a week off. Yeah, absolutely. It is important to remember, ladies and gentlemen, we are still college students. We still have to go to class and do all that fun stuff because, you know, somebody's got to pay the bills one day, and it's, I guess it'll be me. So, um, listen <laughs> – I know that Thomas and I are excited to dive into this next uh, third of the of the year of the athletic schedule. We're getting into the spring sports now, and that leads us into a crazy, exciting summer and fall. Get you guys ready for college football. You guys aren't going to want to miss it. I promise. This thing is about to take off. You have my word on it. We've got some momentum behind us, ladies and gentlemen. Next Gen Athletics to the moon. Okay, it's going on a t-shirt. It's going to happen. Yes, I'm yes, going to make it happen. I, you have my word. By the end of the summer, there will be a T-shirt. So uh, we're going to make that happen. We are really excited about this. If you guys can't tell, we're looking forward to kind of getting back to a little bit more normal schedule here now that spring break is start done and, and the tournament itself is done and there's more time to kind of give to the actual um, – network that we have here going on between the national podcast, the Clemson podcast, the South Carolina podcast and the Virginia Tech podcast. So that leads me into my last final point about this. We're looking to add, if you guys want to come on and, and bring a new school or potentially help Thomas and I out with, with either na the national show or one of our individual school shows, we're all ears, right? If you can give me a reason why we should bring you in, I'm probably going to bring you in. Cause if you guys can't tell, 
we're a little all over the place right now. So we need some some help if that is something you guys would be interested in or you know somebody that could potentially be interested in. Point them in the right direction. We're all about uh, adding. We're all about change. And, and as long as they kind of go with what we've got going on here at Next Gen Athletics, we'd love to bring them in. So that's just kind of a, a little PSA for anybody out there who's thinking, man, like I want to do an Illinois podcast. Okay, cool. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Come on in. We'd love to have a Fighting Illini uh, fan base podcast going on here at Next Gen Athletics. But guys, that's going to do it. Basketball season is over. We're diving into spring sports now. Thomas, thank you as always for coming on and engaging with me, myself, and I. Oh, and the fans. Of course, it's for the fans. Of course, the fans. It's for the fans. Come on, man. I'm sorry. I got distracted. It's okay. Uh, Guys, have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy some Easter. Happy Easter to all uh, all of you celebrating. Happy Passover to all of you celebrating as well. Um, I think that's it. Ramadan is going on as well. I think. I'm pretty sure it's going on. So anybody out there who's celebrating any of those holidays uh, from all of us here at Next Gen Athletics, uh, we wish you the best. Enjoy celebrating and, and doing all that fun stuff as well. Thomas, enjoy the weekend. You guys as well. And we will talk to you guys next week.